Hey, everybody. It's Either Suiters with the Consumer Technology Association. We are the owners and the producers of CES, the most influential tech event on the planet. We are here to help you get CES ready. The show is January 8th to the 11th. 2019 in Las Vegas. And there is a section of CES that brings together leading CMOs and content creators, the Hollywood sector, the media sector. They all congregate at C-Space. And this is where you get the conversations around uncovering disruptive trends that are changing the future of brands, of marketing, and of entertainment. Big name companies from Google to Hulu, New Lion to Snap, TiVo, Univision, this is where it all comes together, as well as leading CMOs and chief brand officers from major companies, global brands like P&G and Unilever. Well, today we are talking about a section that is critical to C-Space and this world. That is the streaming content sector. Today we are talking to a pioneer in the streaming music sector, that is Pandora, uh, in part about its brand new music genome project. Very cool. And also a conversation with a new disruptor in streaming video, a company called Pluto TV. You're really going to want to hear about this, including a new campaign that Pluto has underway involving pop-up channels. That's all on this edition of CES Tech Talk. Jeff Schultz is the chief business officer with Pluto TV, and he also has a pretty deep background in more traditional media, but we'll hold that for a few questions into the future. Jeff, really glad you could join us today. Thanks for having me. So let's talk about Pluto TV. Uh, I'm tempted to say it's synonymous with streaming video, but I, I know it, it's a much more deeper explanation than that, correct? It, it certainly it certainly is uh, a streaming video service, but you're also right that it goes deeper than that. So, so Pluto TV is a is a free streaming television service. It's a platform that offers uh, over a hundred channels, linear channels, their television channels, just available uh, over the top, along with thousands of video on demand uh, uh, titles as well. Um, it's distributed everywhere because it's a digital product, so it's available on the web, it's available on mobile, increasingly on connected TV, um, and it's full of content that you might be surprised to see there. Partners like CBS or NBC or Sony and uh, Warner Brothers and Fox, uh, reflective of you know not just um, excellent execution by Pluto as a growing business, but also by changes in the industry where where big partners are increasingly um, you know, seeking new audience and new revenue. Um, on connected television, which, is, which I think is probably relevant to your audience of listeners, um, Fire TV and Roku and, and uh, also native connected television platforms like Samsung and Vizio, mm -hmm. we've seen explosive growth on those platforms. And so one of the ways to think of Pluto is we're a virtual MVPD, just like Sling or YouTube television or DirecTV Now but we're free. Another way to think of us is cable, but without the bill. Uh, that's a great catch line. <laughs> I don't know how big your PR team came up with that, but very strong. Um, so we're going to get into your more traditional media background um, a lot sooner than I expected when you talk about these partnerships, Jeff. Um, you led business development at CBS Radio, similar position in BizDev uh, for NBC's internet division. So you know the traditional players from the inside out. Um, are you seeing 
the relationships between them and uh, innovative, disruptive companies like like Pluto um, becoming less um, antagonistic and much more synergistic? I know I'm using big words, but you're not fighting as often, right? There's a lot more opportunity together, it seems. It's an astute question, and there's no question, and there there is no question that that's that's the case. I've had the good fortune of having sort of one foot in traditional media and one foot in new media ever since I also had the good fortune of leaving the law about 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> and, and so I've had a front row seat to, to all these changes. And w- what I'll say is um, even, even just several years ago, the, the, uh, the attitude or approach of these major media companies towards something like Pluto um, would not be what it is today. There, there, there are two things happening at the same time. You could call them push-pull. So pull is, this is a real opportunity. Pluto is massive and growing, um, but, but, and so thus offers an, a real opportunity for major media companies to reach audience they're not reaching through the traditional channels and then generate genuinely incremental revenue from, the, from that audience. But the push part is that the, the business is changing in, in, in ways that are more clear than ever. Um, you know, I think it was just earlier this week or last when, uh, when the you know, million, million uh, subscriber drop uh, was announced across all MVPDs. So like this cord-cutting trend, which is a supportive trend for us, is accelerating and it's causing major media companies to take seriously other approaches for, for uh, monetization and distribution. So at the nexus of this is uh, a point that you referenced uh, in just a moment ago, Jeff, and that is connected devices. And you were pointing specifically to smart TVs, 4K UHD, the UHD experience. Um, connected devices are critical for all of this. And as we get more and more connected devices in our homes or, or you know, on the go, I mean, that is what's driving all of this, right? I mean, that's what drives consumer behavior, consumer enthusiasm, and content creation, right, is the availability of this anytime, anywhere through connectivity? That's right. And that's right in two, in two sort of separate ways, that the fact that people can consume content, particularly video content, everywhere, web, mobile, uh, connected television, um, this multi-platform uh, consumption opportunity is creating more consumption, not less. You know, while traditional platforms are suffering, the overall consumption of media is still increasing constantly. And so for media companies that have a multi-platform approach where they're about building content and brands and then reaching consumers wherever they are, that's a winner. But then, but then secondarily uh, is the growth of connected television in particular. So I, I mentioned cord cutting as a supportive trend, and it mm-hmm. is. It absolutely is. We are, a, we are in many ways a substitute to cable because we're a, we're a multi-channel offering. We are a VMVPD, but, but we, we, we come at no charge. But the more supportive trend is the fact that people are increasingly connected their, connecting their televisions to the Internet. And once they do, um, they have a daily use case. That's what television is. You sit down and watch it, watch it oh, yeah. almost daily, if not daily. And when you do, you watch it like television. And so what, what that means is that we're seeing massive growth by virtue of deals that we're doing with connected uh, device manufacturers like a Samsung or a Vizio. Those are deals we announced over the summer. Um, but, but, but those users that we're reaching 
are using us more often than they do on other platforms. And when they do, they watch for hours at a time, just like television. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're talking about trends and, and Pluto has an interesting position um, on counterintuitive trends. Um, Not coining that phrase, uh, but it's a good way to describe this. One is the notion of free TV in the age of subscription. And you touched on this earlier. Um, and Pluto's impression that there is something of a subscription fatigue going on right now, I assume especially under the, uh, the, the youngest demos of your viewers. Yeah, that's right. There, there are actually two what I would call counterintuitive trends uh, that, that underpin the founding of Pluto a little mm-hmm. over four years ago. One of them was free in the age of subscription, and the other was linear in the age of video on demand. And maybe we can get to both, but but on the topic of subscription, I actually just read last week that the average household has 2.8 subscriptions, 2.8 video subscriptions. And if you and if you count for the fact that Netflix is probably one and Amazon is probably <laughs> the other, yeah, then then you have then you have all of them, all of them competing for 0.8 uh, point that 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 last 0.8. Right. Um, and so and so several years ago the common knowledge was that if you wanted to build a meaningful over-the-top business, you had to do so with a subscription model. And we went exactly the other way. And so uh, you can think of, of Pluto TV as free and instant, where there's no login, there's no setup. The same way when you turn on your television, it just works. That's also true for Pluto. And we don't ask people for money. And so we see that scale remarkably, and at the same time, um, virtually none of these subscription standalone models seem to be working at the same time. So let's dive a bit deeper into that, Jeff, and that is the issue of AVOD, right? Ad-supported, video-on-demand, and what it means to uh, both Pluto TV, but also the evolving ecosystem, what you're learning both about your place in it and what consumers want right now and what works best. That's right. Yeah, there, there absolutely is a broader trend um, we have a, a broader trend of advertising-supported uh, media. We, there are other companies who are approaching this in different ways and benefiting from the fact that, one, audience is moving to these platforms and taking advantage of, of advertising-supported content over the top. And then, two, uh, dollars are following them. Advertisers are increasingly interested in this audience, which is both uh, unreachable, oftentimes through traditional media, and highly valuable in that in that this is you know increasingly on a connected television, a, a, you know a a brand safe, uh, large screen, uh, premium uh, advertising experience. Uh, and then we you know we take great pride in the fact that we have a unique angle to to to, to AVOD AVOD as a broad classification for advertising supported over the top, where we have packaged up content into a hundred plus channels, the vast majority of those channels, some of them pass through. Some of them are channels that we carry like a, like a sky news or a CBSN or a stadium sports. But the vast majority of those channels are channels that we make ourselves. So the same way I, I sort of would say we were a next generation Comcast in that we're a virtual MVPD. We're also a next generation discovery or Viacom in that we we make branded channels to distribute through our own platform. Okay, so now we definitely need to touch on that that second counterintuitive trend um, because you're talking about a cutting-edge company, a disruptor, as I said. But you also come from the position that consumers, your viewers, might not want to decide 
what to watch, right? Not to not to seek and discover. It's a bit of a of a lean back experience. Absolutely, and we think that is we think that's self evident today. And I and I suppose that our that our growth, that the traction that Pluto has in the market, is proof of that. But three or four years ago, uh, that was that was extremely um, provocative in the, the idea that in the age of what you want, when you want, how you want. I mean, I'll say I said those words myself when I was at CBS. To say anything different would get you excommunicated, right? That's right. That's right. So in the age of, 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 of handing the rates to consumers, of giving them control, is there a chance that people just want to be programmed to? And, uh, and, then, and then in solving that problem, the paradox of choice, where when everything is available, what do you watch? Might we lean on decades old, um, a decades old device of a branded television channel? You know, the same way MTV once assembled a, a set of content and did it in a in a way that created a brand that was meaningful to a large audience. Could we do that to both solve for discovery and then create value? And and it appears to be working. So let's talk about one of, uh, you know, look, I think it's one of your coolest approaches, but um, to, to, to hit that sweet spot, Jeff, and that is the idea of a pop-up channel. Um, it does, to some extent, promote the, the, the lean-back approach, but also it's catchy. Um, you know, you're, you're grabbing attention at a time when it's in a deficit, and it seems like it's working quite well across a number of different um, content uh, suites for you. It's 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 incredible. This one, this one, I can't say that I saw coming. Um, so what you're referring to is is we will license um, a, a show, a series, and we'll 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 sometimes program that series uh, on its own in its own channel as what we call a, a pop up. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first time we did that, uh, do you are you familiar with with Wipeout without a game show? People getting People going through an obstacle course and, and getting obliterated uh, leads to hilarity. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I started so, with the Japanese version, but absolutely, yeah. There you go, exactly, exactly, and then made its way to a U.S. version. So we we licensed that is, that, that was essentially sitting on the sh- on the shelf uh, with a with a content partner. We licensed that content and programmed it into a twenty four hour channel, so you could tune in and see people getting blown up on Wipeout at any time of day, <laughs> and it was. And it was a promotion and a bit of an experiment. It was so successful, we left it up for a year and made a tiny fortune. And so based on that learning, we went back to the market and identified other pools of content and did the same thing. And so there's a new detectives channel right now, which is extremely successful. This is sort of real-life CSI, 24 hours a day. Um, Gordon Ramsay's Health Kitchen is also a 24-hour channel on the service right now, and it's 24 hours a day of you know, Gordon Ramsay yelling at, you know, poor, poor up and coming chefs. Yeah. Can't get enough. Love right? it and they, <laughs> how is it that they can't get, they can't get enough of it. And so what I'll say is it's, it's a really interesting, uh, it's a really interesting model, but it's a model that we were able to experiment and settle on because we own the platform and the channels, mm-hmm. right? So, so we can both create the channel and then because we own the platform, we know exactly what works and what doesn't work. And, and can build on successes like that. Well, before we break, Jeff, let's talk a, a moment about CES 2019 and C-Space. Uh, as I mentioned, it's the home to 
uh, content creators from marketing and advertising. It, it, it's Hollywood. It's technology. It's this, uh, you know, um, coalescence of all these communities that now have so much in common. Where is Pluto TV in this ecosystem, and and, and what's your strategy going into to CES 2019 there at CSpace? So, so CES, no surprise, CES is our Super Bowl. Uh, I, I've been for I think almost 20 years in a row. Um, you know, we we have uh, an alarming number of meetings every year with with all of our key partners. And you know, I'm in a position where I'm meeting with content partners, with distribution partners, with advertisers, uh, all at the same time. And there's really only one place in the world where we can have all of those meetings in the space of a week. So it makes for a busy. Uh, exhausting and but very productive <laughs> week, uh, and so and so you know that's our approach to it, and we're and we set up at Sea Space to give us a sort of central point to to uh, to both showcase Pluto TV what it is um, to introduce ourselves to new partners, but also you know as a as a place for us to to meet with all those partners during during the course of that busy week. Jeff Schultz is Chief Business Officer with Pluto TV. Head to C-Space at CES 2019 and find out what this company is doing. It's, <laughs> it's at the cutting edge, to say the least. Jeff, once again, great to talk to you today. Thanks for all the time and insight. Thank you, Tyler. Hey, joining me now is Alex White. He is with Pandora, where he is the head of music recommendations and curation programming. Alex, which I guess means you get to hear the latest, coolest music and make decisions before anybody else does. Among many other things. <laughs> really glad you're with us today. Thanks so much. Um, how about a quick state of play on the industry right now? What you're seeing from the streaming sector? Yeah, well, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. It's a really exciting time in the streaming music industry. A couple of things stand out. Obviously, the growth in the market overall is super compelling. The record labels are investing in artists and new music and, and breaking new acts after years of, of, of a tough business climate. The rise of voice and connected devices makes it a really exciting time for consumers and the, the CE uh, world overall. And lastly, I think the scale with which streaming companies like Pandora can operate and deliver effortless personalized programming and discovery um, is, is unprecedented. And I think the exciting advances technically have been around reinventing what does a music service look like um, from the kind of older iTunes model or a world where consumers had to buy each song individually mm -hmm. or each album on their own. So two words you say there stand out to me. One is scale and how quickly you're growing both in, in offering and also audience. The other, though, is effortless. <laughs> Nothing about uh, what you're doing at Pandora and what the industry is doing in general seems effortless to me unless you're talking about the consumer experience. So could you uh, expand on that a little bit? Yeah, we try to. There's tremendous effort across the company every day to make the end listener experience as effortless as possible. Um, and, you know, that's been Pandora's bread and butter since the beginning of put in a song or an artist and, and hear great music associated with that based on the underlying musical properties of the work, as well as um, dozens of algorithms on top of that, collaborative filtering and other inputs and signals that we have. I think we try really hard to reimagine what a on-demand 
streaming service could look like when we launched premium a few years ago. And I'll just give two quick examples of offline listening and playlist building. So we've all had the experience where you go under a tunnel or jump on an airplane and you forgot to download the content or the music or the video that you wanted to hear or watch and realized once it, only once you lost connectivity that it was too late. Well, we created something called Intelligent Offline that pre-downloads your foremost listened to stations to keep the music going. So when you lose connectivity, we just transfer you automatically to one of your pre-downloaded stations. And that's a good example of making it effortless on the listener side of things, but behind the scenes, there's a whole host of reasons why that was never done before, um, technically to pre-cache and not take up much room on people's phones. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, sec the second would be around playlist building. And we noticed after the acquisition of RDO and with um, subscribers, that they would start playlists, but not finish them. They would maybe build um, orphan playlists, we called them, of just having a few <laughs> songs on that playlist. And so we inserted a magic wand at the end there that uses all our algori algorithms and recommendation sciences to fill out the playlist. So if you start a playlist for a holiday uh, family gathering and you drag in the two songs that you know and love, um, we can fill in the rest with 30-minute blocks of music. And you can edit, of course, if we get it wrong, um, but you can build out a playlist very quickly and easily. And that's a great example of the effortlessness we want to bring um, to the consumer experience and, of course, behind the scenes, uh, very effortful. Yeah, you're making me feel guilty now, Alex, about all those shoeboxes I had with somewhat started mixtapes but never really got yeah. to side B on, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, a century ago, it seems. Um, lean in and lean back is uh, a paradigm we've we've heard uh, with video, I think, primarily, but television, that kind of consumption. Um, you all are, are very much pioneering in that sector, everything from the Music Genome Project to the uh, thumbs up, thumbs down, right, which is now integral uh, to streaming music. Um, what's the latest for, for you all in that lean in, lean back approach to content discovery. Yeah. Again, I think the effortless personalization is what we strive for with all of our programming. And the magic really comes from the combination of humans and machines, the algorithmic and the human curation. Um, we, we say around the office, lean in for full control and lean back and, and let it roll. And I think the, the way that that manifests itself for consumers is, you know, you might want to hear a song on repeat or listen to an album um, specifically. And you can, of course, search and play all of that content and music on Pandora. Um, but that's when autoplay kicks in. And we were the ones who introduced that concept to the streaming world where um, instead of having dead air at the end of a song that you searched and played for or a album, when it comes to an end, we transfer the listener immediately into our best-in-class autoplay technology, which basically uses that song or album or artist as a feed and creates one of our lean-back stations. So I think the consumers in general are used to having, you know, search and control and hearing things when they want to hear them and what they want to hear. But for the vast majority of listeners, actually building playlists and, and programming their own music 24 hours a day is exhausting. And I think that's where um, the intersection of search and play functionality with a lean back autoplay um, and letting people tune it when we get it wrong, but in general, um, defaulting to letting it uh, 
decide what we think you might like best mm-hmm. next. Mm-hmm. Um, shifting a little bit from music now, Alex, into <laughs> obviously we're talking about a format that all of our listeners are digging right now that is podcasts. Um, what are you doing right now that's a little different than the field in terms of podcasting? What has you all so excited about this this exponentially growing both content community and also audience? Yeah, the growth in podcasts has been incredibly exciting to watch, and we've been thinking about it for years and and what can Pandora, what is Pandora uniquely positioned to do that others in the marketplace are not. And in the same way, we didn't want to just try to outcompete competitors on their strengths around the launch of premium. With podcasts, we think there's a huge problem to solve for consumers around discovery. And we think about the 74% of Americans who don't listen to podcasts regularly and don't know where to start. It's wildly intimidating um, to get into podcasts if you haven't been listening for years or know which shows, which um, publishers, and which episodes to start with, especially as many shows have tons of back catalog and, and old episodes. It's, uh, it's frankly overwhelming to consumers. And so that's where solving that discovery problem for the listener and then on the back end, monetization for publishers um, are kind of the two most exciting areas for us. And Pandora, many people don't realize, sells two-thirds of all digital audio ads in the U.S. We have um, almost 1,000 folks in the field selling digital audio ads, one of the best in the business and the biggest digital audio ad market in the world. And so being able to help consumers find great shows they never would have heard of otherwise um, and monetize those shows for the publishers feels like the... uh, one-two punch of, of excitement for us here. Mm-hmm. Well, when you talk about Pandora's place in, in the audio market, Alex, right now, um, one of the driving trends in the tech sector, and this is a uh, more of a horizontal, I think, than a vertical, but it is uh, voice recognition, right, and voice-activated uh, digital assistance. Um, and there are a number on the market, and we're seeing exponential growth there in U.S. homes, certainly. Um at CTA, one of the, the trends our, our research team has been talking about for a little over a year now is voice as the fourth sales channel, right? Using voice to, to shop, essentially. No laptop, no phone, certainly no brick and mortar needed. Um, where do you see voice going? Um, and we start this conversation you know, on the heels of, of, of one about digital ads, but this is also about the consumer experience, right? Getting a little more effortless, if that's a proper way to put it. Um, what is Voice's role moving forward for Pandora? Yeah, we're seeing, um, in terms of our first-party data, millions of people using these connected devices and voice um, smart speakers uh, every month, uh, 35% year-over-year growth in, in this category for us. And voice is a key part of the future for Pandora. When we think about effortless personalized programming, um, we think about it's, there's almost nothing as effortless as just saying your intention of what you want to hear. Um, we delineate between listeners that have intent of what they want to listen to, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with um, lean in versus lean back. If you want to hear a specific song by a specific artist, that's going to be table stakes, of course, and making sure our voice recognition software has the ability to understand uh, multiple languages, like a request for a Spanish language uh, song, and that's kind of table stakes. 
Where I think it gets really interesting, especially for Pandora, is when the listener doesn't have intent of what to listen to and just wants and needs to trust a service to provide that lean back listening experience. It's unlike a interface on your phone or on your laptop or your desktop where you can see the playlist in advance and you mm -hmm. understand exactly what's coming down the pipe or see a set of search results. There's almost nothing but trust that the service will play what you want to hear and respect your parental filters and explicit content and play music in the background um, of your party or your gathering um, that works for whatever mood and activity or, or environment you're in. And so the listener with no intent who wants to hear happy music or music for a rainy day starts to get really fascinating. I think that's where the intersection of a lot of the work we're doing on the programming side intersects with a lot of the work on the um, search side and the investment we've made over the years in that uh, algorithmic and human curated um, approach really starts to pay off when we have to get it right at the beginning because the listener doesn't have mm -hmm. a menu of five to ten things to select from. Yeah, so here we are more than a decade in now, Alex, and it, it, it sounds like uh, the magic of discovery is still very much a, well, I'll call it a thing, right, with a capital T, but for Listeners, for, for your consumers, your customers, discovery still rocks and is exciting. Always. That's one of the things we know, uh, don't expect to ever change. Although, as you get into it um, with my team, when, you, when people think about new music and new artists, there's a lot of different flavors of that. Should it be, do they mean the new music that's come out every Friday and the thousands of new tracks and albums that are released? Do they mean new in the last six months? Do they mean new to them, even though the artist or the music has been around for years? And discerning that, that's a very personalized experience of the level of discovery and the type of new that you mean um, as a listener. And uh, that's what we have to kind of gauge and lots of mechanisms in place to make sure we're serving the listener um, what they want to hear. Mm -hmm. um, what about uh, engagement and what you're seeing on the devices we're using to listen? Um, we talked a little bit about voice platforms, but um, are, are, is device use shifting a little bit? Are you seeing a, a broader panoply of the consumer tech we're using uh, for music streaming? Yeah, I mean, over 90% of total listening hours on Pandora are via mobile and other connected devices. So that was absolutely not the case in a world where desktop and platform um, and web platform was um, so prevalent. Right. Uh, there's a, a massive increase in the voice activated devices, which we talked about, but also um, native auto integrations. We have dozens of integrations with, you know, primary original OEMs and, uh, and aftermarket manufacturers. And as we know from consumer behavior and research, the vast majority of um, consumers in America drive a commute to work every day in their cars. And we think that's obviously a key um, area for us to, to play in and, and to make sure we are, again, as effortless as possible um, or just pushing a button or, or even easier in the car. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, what are your plans for CES 2019? I don't want to get you know too much into your strategic mission here, but um, you know, stepping back, Alex, I think some people would be surprised that um, you know, someone like Pandora that 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 isn't necessarily a manufacturer um, has such significance and attaches so much relevance to CES, which is a global tech show. 
Yeah, we're very excited about CES as we are every year and the partner meetings that we have um, lined up and are coming together across the board are great. We've usually uh, done concerts and, and, and taken meetings with our top um, existing partners as well as new ones that we're excited about. I think the shift with voice and the uh, importance of automobiles and other partners like um, telcos, that we've uh, successfully bundled and partnered with to drive subscriptions is uh, is probably the most exciting areas for us. But our plans are still coming together. Mm-hmm. Now, so you mentioned a couple of significant vertical areas that uh, are always popular at, at CES: uh, smart home, uh, vehicle technology, uh, anything around connectivity or five G. Is there one specific area, Alex, you're really excited to see? As if you'll have any free time there. <laughs> but the one you really want to explore? I think the connected homes personally are a fascinating area for me. As we've talked about with the smart speakers, these are clearly in uh, millions and millions of more homes and you know, expect to see major growth around the holiday season this year as we have uh, in the last year. And I, I spoke at VoiceCon earlier this year, which is Gary Vaynerchuk's um, Voice Summit, and just the fascinating um vision of a world driven entirely by voice after being so visual with phones in our pockets for many years. And, you know, when a consumer wants uh, to order something, the, the importance of having a brand that people trust and say, hey, I want to hear this on Pandora because I trust that the autoplay it'll kick me into after is best in class, or I want to hear this um, podcast on Pandora because I know that the next episode that they play from another show for me will be hyper-personalized to what I want to hear. Um, the importance there is critical, um, and even more so than the world we've been living in the last five to 10 years where um, consumers expect full control and, and to be able to choose from a menu of options Mm-hmm. just got that much more harder, mm-hmm. more difficult. Uh, final question, of course, the most personal, as always, for you, Alex. I imagine you get it at every turn, but what is your number one station or playlist right now? And I, I, I'll step up. I've really been digging Mitski Radio, um, and yes, I use it in the gym, but it's versatile, all right? What about you? What's your, what's your favorite right and are now? You a, can I ask if you're a summer or you just let it, let it roll? Uh, depends on the mood, right? It <laughs> depends, yeah. on, depends on what my thumbs are otherwise doing. <laughs> Great. Um, I was listening this weekend to our Yacht Rock station, which is one of my personal favorites. I also have a newborn at home, so listening to the happiest tunes on earth, which is kind of pulling in Disney songs and, and all sorts of feel-good children's music. Uh, love it. A window into the mind at uh, Pandora. Alex White, head of music recommendations and curation programming. Clearly a big fan of Yacht Rock as well. Alex, great to have you with us and looking forward to connecting at CES come January. Thanks for having me. We'll see you at the show. And coming up on the next episode of CES Tech Talk, the changing face of entrepreneurship and a conversation about democratizing access to knowledge and opportunities for business owners. In creating Alice, it really was, you know, how how could we create and scale the idea of the advisor, friend, and, and mentor um, for a business owner that really helps every entrepreneur 
regardless of who they are or where they come from, navigate this experience of entrepreneurship. All right, we are doing our best to get you CES ready. Do yourself a favor, subscribe to this CES Tech Talk podcast. That way you won't miss any of our episodes leading up to CES 2019. Speaking of, it is January 8th through the 11th in Las Vegas. The information you need is at ces.tech. As always, none of this is possible without our stars, our engineer, John Lindsay, and our producer, Tina Anthony. You are both the best in the business, as far as I'm concerned. And thank you for joining us. I'm Tyler Suters. Let's talk tech again soon. <laughs>